by me if any man enter in. And there is no other way to be saved. And that's the gospel that we're called to preach. It will be unpopular. Uh, People want us to be broad-minded. They want us to give fair play and to uh, look at comparative religions. That's the new term now in seminaries. Instead of looking at cults and, uh, and false religions, they are called comparative religions. And it's like we all get down in a little circle, and we have a parley, and we take the good of this, and the good of that, and the good of each one, and we try and build some kind of a, a, of a semblance of religion that will reach God. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Day by day, Monday to Friday, we bring you the message of the gospel here from our free Presbyterian church in Cloverdale. We thank you for this opportunity to minister the Lord's word to you, to your heart, wherever you are. And I trust there will be a word just right for you, a handful on purpose just for you from God's word today. In our message, we are looking at the way to the Father, John chapter 14. Remember that great text? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Well, let's knuckle down to look at this text today and see what it means. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you in your discipleship for the Lord Jesus? Many think that they can have God uh, or Christ and the things of this world or some other religion. Well, Jesus said, no, I am the way. He that cometh to the Father must come by me. So stay tuned as we let the Bible speak today from the pulpit. When we come to the New Testament, we go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then we'll go down to verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Uh, This is the plan of grace. And the plan is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this now becomes the work of every church, every missionary, every gospel worker to proclaim this way of salvation. And that's the goal. It is the goal that God has appointed. It is the goal that God has set out. And the battle for truth and righteousness is to know the way of the Father. Now, there are three things that are eternal. There's heaven, there's hell, and there is the Bible. And we are called to proclaim this message 
to a lost world that God has a way. How the Lord Jesus has settled the issue of the very nature of eternal life, and that is to be with the Father. And praise God, in the fullness of time, he has come into the world to fulfill the work of Redeemer and Savior. And I'm not going to preach the cross. I should. Oh, I should. I should tell the story of how he went to that cross to die in the place of his people. But we see the goal, and the goal is that men might be brought to the Father. Now, tonight I want to ask you, is that your goal in life? Is that your utmost, foremost goal, that all of life is a preparation for eternity? And no matter what job you get, no matter what opportunities in life you achieve or are or, or open up to you, the great goal is to prepare to meet thy God. And here it is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I move to the genius of our text, and here really is the wonder, absolute, astounding, astonishing wonder of the gospel, where Jesus says, I am the way. Here's the genius. God has appointed that this way, this life, is in his own Son. And this has always been God's plan. In Isaiah 42, 6, God said, and he referred to Jesus as his elect, his Son, his, he is the Savior of men. And that has been the eternal plan of God. Now, when you think of the genius of this, who could do such a thing? Who could possibly be adequate, sufficient to redeem all whom God will bring out of the world to be saved and bring them to glory? How could any one person undertake such a task? Well, that brings us back to who Jesus is and the uh, fact that he is the revelation of the Father. But you'll go back to chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the genius of the power that is within the person of the Lord Jesus. And when we think of all the fullness and all the grace that flows out of the person of the Lord Jesus— we marvel at the genius of it. And, of course, John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He who was God, uh, totally, absolutely, uh, the mirror image of God, he became man, and he took our place, the perfect man. And then there is the genius of one person, in the place of all his people, the elect. He is the second Adam. And just as by one man we have all sinned, by one man we receive righteousness 
and through the obedience of Christ, we are accepted and made perfect through the Lord Jesus. There is the wisdom of God in making his Son to be the all-sufficient Savior of his people. And then we come back to the cross in this one, the genius of the atonement, that through the blood of Jesus and the life that he laid down, life comes to us. And there's a principle in the Bible that the life is in the blood. That's why Christianity is blood religion. That's why we preach the atonement. And through the blood shedding of the Lord Jesus unto death, he has purchased our salvation. And God's genius, God's wisdom, is in the very plan and the purpose of the cross. Read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jew a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Greeks, Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And when God appointed his Son to be the sacrifice that would go to Calvary, there was the genius, the wisdom of God at work. No man could have thought it. No man could have planned it. But God, in his great wisdom, sent his Son. And, of course, it is the genius of God's sovereign grace. Out of his prerogative to show mercy to sinners, God sent his son. And the wonder of it, it is the judge taking the criminal's place. The judge who is righteous takes the place of the guilty, and he bears the punishment, bears the wrath that you and I may go free. We have in our hymn book the hymn 26, Great God of wonders, all thy ways are matchless, godlike, and divine. But the fair glories of thy grace, more godlike and unrivaled, shine. Who is a pardoning God like thee? And then verse 2, Such deep transgressions to forgive, such guilty sinners thus to spare. This is thy grand prerogative. 
and in this honor none shall share. One Savior, one Redeemer, by one death, by one blood, we are redeemed and brought nigh to God. And this is the genius of the gospel, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Can you see tonight this wisdom? Can you see the wonder of it all, that God would send his Son to be the only Savior, the way to the Father? Then we bless God, and we rejoice in this glorious gospel. And as I said earlier, it is despised by the world, uh, the exclusivity of it, the fact that, uh, that others don't have a look in, and there is none other that can take the place of our Savior and our Redeemer. Yet this is the wonder of the gospel that we follow. Then we come to the good news of our text. To all who accept the way to the Father, they can come. No man cometh unto me but... Well, no man can come to the Father. That's bad news. But the finish of the statement, but by me, that's good news. That opens up the way to the Father. And thank God for that little but that is put right into that text in verse 6, but by me. No man cometh unto the Father, not by human schemes, the Tower of Babel and such things, all the madness of men that have devised ways to reach some deity or other religions. They are outside of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You just go through the religions of the world, and the question is, do they answer the sin question? Do they answer reconciliation to God? And they have no Savior. They have no saving message. Nor can we come to the Father by our own works. I do not preach from this pulpit, do your best you can, and God will do the rest. We do not proclaim a salvation of works. In fact, this Bible really jettisons and renounces man's works. For by grace are ye saved, not of works, lest any man should boast, but by the work of the cross. And of course, we cannot plead our own righteousness. Your own prayer life, your own kindness, your own consideration of others, your, your goodness to men, all those things, they cannot saved you. Paul the Apostle counted his own self-righteousness as dung. Uh, that's the Bible's language, and it's extreme language. It's shocking language, and it ought to shock every one of us out of the notion that we can make ourselves good enough by our own self-righteousness for heaven. But Martin Luther said that the gospel is that Christ, by his righteousness, covers over that dung that we might 
be accepted in the sight of the Father. And so we need the Lord Jesus. He is the ladder to heaven. He is the way that opens up all the uh, direction from earth to glory. If you remember the revelation of uh, to Jacob, how he saw this ladder that reached from earth right to heaven. Jesus reconciles men on earth right into the very presence of God. And also, he is the door. We read that and read that this morning in John 10. Jesus said, I am the door by me of any man enter in. And there is no other way to be saved. And that's the gospel that we're called to preach. It will be unpopular. Uh, people want us to be broad-minded. They want us to give fair play and to uh, look at comparative religions. That's the new term now in seminaries. Instead of looking at cults and, uh, and false religions, they are called comparative religions. And it's like we all get on in a little circle, and we have a parley, and we take the good of this, and the good of that, and the good of each one, and we try and build some kind of a, of a semblance of religion that will reach God. Well, the gospel is already a complete final message that Jesus alone is the way to the Father. And all who come through this door are saved. All who come. That's the good news. That's the great good news of this gospel. Now, why is that true? Well, if you look at verses 7 right through to 12 in John 14, you will see how the Lord Jesus answers this question. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. And so all of these things add together. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. And it is his works that lead us to glory and to heaven. Now, the requirement, of course, is that we come to the Father by faith. You'll notice the words believe, believe, believe in that very passage. And we need to come. And so remember, the great need is to live with God the Father. That's the ultimate goal of every believer in Christ. We're going to live with the Father. And the hardship that you may have now, the losses, the crosses that you may have to bear 
as a Christian in this life. They're just temporary. They're just a short little blip in the eternal scheme. Our goal is to live with God the Father. And praise God there is a way through his Son. And we must cling to him and rejoice that he is the way to the Father for us. And so I hope that you can preach this message in the week to come, that you might have someone that you can sit beside and open up your Bible or get out your phone with your Bible on it and look up that verse, John chapter 14, verse 6, and show that to someone and tell them the good news of the gospel. Uh, the, the text that if people had one verse in all the Bible, they would learn the way to glory. John 14, 6, a profound, amazing text. I've done a poor job of preaching it tonight. You can do a better job at living it and rejoicing in it. And may the Lord bless you and be with you in the week to come.
listening to Let the Bible Speak. We have now another moment in Mark's Gospel. We're looking at chapter 2, the account of the, the man with the palsy who was brought by his four friends to the feet of Jesus after they brushed through the crowd, climbed the stairs, removed the slates, and lowered him right down to where Jesus taught. This dramatic event is an exercise in demonstrating faith. And we read here that the Lord requires faith. You cannot be a Christian without faith. You must believe, and you must put your trust in the Lord Jesus. The Lord also recognized faith. When he saw their faith, we are told in the passage, and then Jesus rewarded faith. And I assure you that he will reward your faith when you put your trust in him. Jesus Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, the Lord is never a disappointment. When he said son, that was a term of compassion. There is pity in the address son. It was often used in a broader way than just family. The miracle of healing, which amazed everyone, was a great display of the Lord's power to forgive sin. The Lord's miracles were always secondary. They were but object lessons. They became powerful truths to back home the greatest of all lessons, that Jesus was come into the world to seek and to save sinners. This is our confidence, that our Lord can forgive sins. He is a merciful and faithful high priest. We seek to bring people to the Lord for forgiveness of sin, that they might know salvation. Who are you going to bring to Jesus? Can you think of someone that needs to be saved, someone that is living in misery of sin, that needs to have the burden lifted, that they might know the joy of God's salvation? Well, this is the work that we are about, and all gospel work is for God's glory. We read here in the verse 12, And immediately arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God. It Would it not glorify God to bring some soul to know the Lord Jesus, uh, your own family, friends, neighbors, that they might worship the Lord Jesus? That's the joy of serving Christ. And it is the purpose of it all. And so let the Lord be glorified in his people as we shine the light of the gospel far and wide. Now God was greatly glorified in this man in his new walk. And it's that change, it's that new life that brings honor to the name of the Lord. Let that life shine forth in you today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.